somewhat can be helpful in terms of working with the mental content. You know, so really, just understand how how the mind operates, or how it what its behaviours are, what it, how it gets filled, what it occupies itself with, and how. And you have this um, list of factors called collectively called nama. So it's the nama in nama rupa. And nama refers to the way the mind takes uh, takes an object or forms an object. So it's, there is a particular sound or sight or you know a form called rupa even a mental object, and then the mind um, brings that, creates something out of that, makes something with that, forms it up, frames it up. As you recognize all the time, you know, whether it's in meditation or outside of meditation, the mind is always occupied with something. Something's coming in. Could be chosen, could be random, could be skillful, unskillful. You can't seem to switch it off. You know, it keeps going. So it's it's uh, that's its sankara. Its kind of program is to keep doing this, because of course that's uh, what minds are for. It keeps looking around, scanning around, seeing what's important, what's necessary, remembering. So it's just set in that particular way. And the nama is. Um, Five factors, attention, intention, contact, perception, feeling. When we're looking at it, that's the way it's, it's set out, attention, attention, <coughs> attention, <coughs> manasikara, is the <coughs> mind, um, you know, it's, it's a sense of a focus, yeah. What, how the how a focus is sustained, whether it's small, or wide, or you know, sense of something. Focus is sustained. Intention deals with the the uh, interest or the disinterest, the skillful or unskillful. Something's actually wanting or bringing something, you know, bringing something up. And perception, contact is the is the sense of, of the impressions that are made. Something impresses us, something strikes us. We might say something strikes the eye or strikes the mind. There's a contact impression, something hits you. You recognize that uh, there can be all kinds of stuff just flowing through, you know, and then something really hits. So you get a strong contact impression. A lot of the contact impressions are very, you know, subtle or Shifting doesn't really make much impact. Contact impression is always associated with perception. That's a particular impression or felt meaning something has, whether something feels interesting, dangerous, um, disgusting, wonderful, beautiful, inspiring, miserable. You know, so it gets mental perceptions, which are the labels and feelings: pleasant, unpleasant. Mm. 
attention is uh, it's a san- it's a form it's a sankara it's formulated it means it's not an accurate or it's not an objective thing if you notice um and you notice taking a photograph of something how what your eye sees and what the photograph presents are two different things because your eye automatically scr- you know filters out background it doesn't you know Look at the photograph. How did all that stuff get on there? Because you didn't, you didn't see it. Obviously, it was there, but your eye was already determined. What you were looking at was the, the vase or the person, or, and you didn't notice the the post they were standing against. So when you take the photograph, it looks like they've got a pole pole growing out of their head, <laughs> but you didn't notice it because your eye automatically screened it out. Yeah. So attention is always a, 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 a filtered, a filtered or, or a um, conditioned phenomenon. Yeah, and it's always very partial. The amount of uh, things that can be flooding—the sound of the birds, the feeling, the temperature of the room. The breath in your breath in your nose, the uh, feeling in your back, the uh, thoughts, all kinds of stuff could be happening, and yet at any given time there's only one flickering through. So potentially have an awareness, which is, uh, you know, it's all potentially there, but some particular thing comes in and strikes you. So your attention goes to that. So you're driving a car along and then you notice uh, the signposts, the pedestrians, the other motorists, the speed limit, you know, and maybe having a conversation as well. So your attention is, is just moving like that. Yet you you can be peripherally aware of all of it. And then your attention will focus in on one particular point. Something attracts or interests or is important. You want to know what it is that's when you're sitting meditating sitting you know, in a silent place, what it is that draws something into your attention. Because it's, uh, you can't see. That's the important bit. So you notice, is it configured by anxiety, worry, uh, unpleasant feeling, um, expectation, Hope, desire, aversion. What's what's bringing that into attention? How come sometimes when we're sitting here, there's nothing really to be doing? Maybe you're just watching, feeling breathing in and breathing out. Certain things come jostling in, demanding attention, and your mind locks on it. The mind's nature is to be filled with what it attends to. So you can find yourself, you know, stuck with something that. Part of you is saying, this is not important, it's not interesting, why bother with this? And yet, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, as is a fairly common experience, then you want to actually, okay, this is, where's this coming from? What's this about? And start to contemplate the, the, um, the supports for that attention. What's, what's bringing it there? Is it the, uh, that your intention is getting sidetracked? You know, something more interesting, important, uh, juicy, uh, necessary. Mm-hmm. 
you can get whole periods of time when you're planning everything. Planning what you're going to do in Jan, February, March, April, July 2012. You know, when you're 65, whatever. You know, planning your next tudong. You know, how you're going to do this or that or the other. One of those. What's that about? Extending oneself in time. Or you can go back to rehashing the past. What you should have said and what was that was like and that was bad and that was good and rehashing that. Extending yourself in time. This is bhava. The need to have extend oneself in time. Of course, this is the way that humans operate. Part of the programming, how we get uh, successful or Anyway, that's how we operate. And, uh, of course, it can be uh, an endless source of anxiety, worry, never, you know, not being able to rest in the present because one's so full of the future and the past. You also get tribunals. I don't know if you get any of those. The tribunals, somebody did something, you, and you rehash that, and you, you're innocent, you're proving yourself innocent, or you're proving them guilty, or you give them a real talking to in your mind. Tribunals. You're sort of firming up, you know. You feel offended, you feel belittled, you feel wronged, you know, and then you're trying to regain. This is Baba also, kind of extending yourself in space, making yourself more secure, more full, more complete, proving one's right. So it's all this kind of instinct we have to affirm, to solidify our identity. And, uh, but then you notice you usually participate in some of these dramas in the mind. Well, you know, (laughs) what benefit is this? (laughs) And how true is it? How true is the future? How true is the past? How true is the is the tribunal that one's in? <coughs> how right are we? How wrong? And often it's just like everybody's somewhat right and somewhat wrong and somewhat biased and somewhat particular view and yeah, it's all like that. It's not, you know? and that's the way it always is. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing conclusive about any of it. So that's the thing that you begin to learn nothing conclusive about anything and yet there's a wish to be conclusive this is bhava to be firm to be solid to be filled up to be this you know it's inconclusive We may have the, and it's not that these are bad, we may have that wish to be the, you know, to really have your meditation practice, what we think of meditation practice is, complete and final and reliable and every day it's going to be steady and definitely progressing, you know, towards karma, solid, more steady, less, you know. Mm-hmm. 
does it does it ever get there? Probably, you know, you could say it gets better, but there isn't really an end on that. So the Baba is trying to fill up to be something. So we fill ourselves up with attention, with things that fill the mind, and yet they're not conclusive, not satisfying, they're changeable, they're variable. There isn't anyone who can be established there. There isn't someone there who can be established. There isn't someone there who can be got rid of. It's just this, it's an inconclusive process. The interesting thing is that when one rests or places attention on that factor, dispassion arises, one has sort of stepped out of the drama, one is not feeding it, it begins to fade. It may be there are other factors they're holding there, such as uh, you know a strong feeling of need, desire or aversion or pain or re- wanting revenge or uh, wanting to be popular or famous or liked or something or the other. So then you start to contemplate that. Where does that go? Does anybody ever get it completely right? Inconclusive. So it's just by revealing these factors and the the shaky assumptions that they ride upon, they rest upon. Everything has some truth in it. Degree of truth, relative truths. So yeah, relatively there's something to figure out, something to develop, and something to be, and something to put aside. Relatively. But you start to contemplate at least what are the really unpleasant ones that you, you know, the worries and the aversion and the craving and the guilt and depression. How do they stick? When they're, when they're unpleasant, unskillful. This is the bhava quality, becoming, identifying with. So we either have to deliberately shift our attention, you know, can bring up something else, something else you deliberately focus on. Because it, attention, what, what the mind is attending to at any given moment, always feels true and solid and real. Yeah. I mean, you know, you may know it's crazy, and yet there it is. It's it's flood. It's filling the screen. It can't be any other way. But you can notice that you can fill the screen with something else. And then, where was that? Where was all that drama that one was in? So this is you begin to get some sense of. The emptiness, the changeability, the lack of self there is in that. And a recognition perhaps of of strong tendencies one has. 
craving or guilt, depression, whatever. Then what's needed there? So what we do have is we have intention. Attention is is just what the mind does. You know, it's sort of programmed that way, forms an object. But with intention, you can either shift to another object, or you can use your intention, which is the agency of the mind, to investigate, to challenge the view, to to calm, to push something out of the mind, to calm the mind down, to turn to the body. Or just to begin to question the view, you know, who is this? How true is this? Because with objects of attention, say some little scenario comes up and we feel, well, if only I could do that and do that and do that and do that, then things would be, that would be right, that would be nice, yeah. And then, the, then the mind of insight steps in and says, is that true? <laughs> okay. Well, could be. I think. Yeah. No. Is it true? How do you know it's true? What makes it true for you? And you realise underneath it is just assumption. Assumption. Fascination. Trance. If only I had one of those. If only I could go there. If only I could meet so and so. I would be. Is that true? Well, maybe, you know, no, is it? <laughs> you realize, no, it's not true. It could possibly be nice or pleasant or enjoyable for a while, yeah. But that's all. So, you know, okay, you know. So you just keep puncturing those balloons of of fantasy and assumptions for what they are. And this is always, always the, the descent out of that as you're coming back into, into present. Body, the breathing. The knowingness, the direct awareness of mind. So use intention to work on attention, contact, the impre- the what our mind um, seeks, sticks to. Which is always associated with perceptions and feelings. So perception of this is beautiful, this is pleasant, this is, uh, you know, or unpleasant, disgusting. Is that true? It's always got some truth in it. But what makes it that way? What makes something, you know, terrible, disgusting? Aversion. What makes something, you know, desirable? Craving. So, you know, it's to know these things, what they are, how they would be concoct a reality the mind concocts a reality 
because the, there's this, uh, the unknowing means we don't know anything other than concocted realities. So the mind just keeps concocting the best it can. Or what it's stuck in, habits. And of course, the uh, realization process is to realize the concocted reality is not the only choice we have. There's the unconcocted or unconditioned, which is the release of the conditioned, the knowing of the conditioned, the non-grasping of the conditioned. And you get do get a sense whenever you cultivate insight that you know, what, what, what you return to, what you find yourself strengthening is something, some view, some um, way of seeing, some sense of awareness that isn't, you know, isn't definable exactly. But it gives you freedom, and it's true. It's not something you have to concoct, support, hold up. It's where what becomes more real, more realised when the concoctions de- deconcoct or come apart. So you look for these assumptions, which are always the secret underpinnings. Yeah. If only that would happen, things would be all right. If only that would stop, I'd be okay. If only I didn't have that pain. If only I didn't have that sound. It was saying yesterday the impingement of sound, unwanted sound. So people hammering or working or talking or whatever. you know. And how sound becomes noise when you don't want it. So when, what are you going to do? You know, and then we, well, there's an assumption that there's a kind of basic feeling this thing is bothering me, intruding upon me. If only it wasn't there, I'd be all right. Annoying me, disturbing me, getting in my way. You know, stop. You know, depriving me of peace of mind. Can't meditate <laughs> because of this sound. I remember when we were about 25 years um, in monasteries, always on building sites, and it was building. We only recently sort of stopped because we ran out of money. <laughs> I think there's something about monasteries that just, I don't know, perhaps the people amongst the reborn construction engineers, we always seem to be building things. And there's, there's always sounds of hammers and saws and stone saws and drills. And so I, I've had this for 25 years. 
I don't think on building sites. I never used to have this when I was a lay person. People always <laughs> building. <laughs> they had other things to do, I guess. You get used to the sound of stone saws and hammers and drills and, you know, bothering so I can't meditate. You realize the sound doesn't have any wish to stop you meditating. It's not there to do anything. It's not saying, oh, let's go and bother so-and-so. Sound is just sound. It's got no intention to it. Yet with that sound, you can infer these insensitive, callous, stupid people making all this noise. <laughs> and you get the, you know, the motivation for ill will. And you realize these, these guys are just doing their job or walking up and down or talking or whatever. The birds are, crows are croaking because that's what crows do. And they know they have no harmful intention. And then you, so where, where does the ill will come from? resistance yeah. and in that resistance we become more sensitive more offended so the sound just digs deeper it's like when you tense up when you tense up you become more jumpy more sensitive so the alternative is just to work directly on the, the resistance You get a nagging thought in your mind just to work directly on the sense of not wanting it and resisting it. Okay, welcome it. Widen the mind to be like a huge, huge butterfly net. Very soft, wide butterfly net just catching all these sounds like you're catching wonderful butterflies on sounds or thoughts. Well, look at that one, look at that one. So then you can, you know, the, the, the sense of the irritation isn't there. And after a while you realize the butterfly net is mostly space. But you lose the space through ill will or through craving. Or other forms, of course, worry, doubt, and so forth. They, they narrow the space of the mind and reduce it. <coughs> so you start to, so your attention then becomes very one-pointed you know, in a negative way. Your attention spans, you can only experience that. Only experiences that particular phenomenon. The rest of the world has disappeared. That's what attention does. It takes one particular feature and makes it a total story. So we widen, widen attention Widen your awareness to include all of it, including the ill will, and just the relaxing. So that then the sound can be there and you can even hear it, but the the tension, the agitation disappears. When the tension, the agitation disappears, the sound disappears, because your mind is not focusing on that. It's maybe just enjoying the sense of space, openness, relief. And then really appreciating <coughs> this quality we have, what the mind is. It's this potential, a free mind, or a mind that can work on, can liberate, can release, even for a few minutes, even for a few moments, 
it's marvelous. You know, just the wow, what incredible is this? And is it bright, spacious, it's joyful? <coughs> And then you reflect because uh, we always focus the bhava instinct is to try to have more than one does have, try to have more future than one does have, more extend oneself in time, extend a quality that one has, or eliminate it. You know, get rid of the negative or not be that, not be with that. So it's always trying to move out of the present. But what about just appreciating where one is present? Widening, getting that quality, that that sense of mind, just appreciating the ability to, you know, obvious things like not being attacked or violated, not, not being sick, not being hungry, not being bombed. those things that tend to factors you can bring to attention to help to open the mind liberate it from its obsessive clinging we start to see this uh, potential we have So you want to <coughs> train attention, what to attend to, how to attend, also how to release things from attention, how to loosen attention. So your attention, is, which is a, a sankara, it's an activated phenomenon, it's something that you know, draws and forms a focus and scans and gets an image. What's it like when you just relax that? It's rather like, just imagine what it's like trying to remember something you can't remember. You know, when your mind goes, ah, and the object won't come, the word won't come. Like trying to remember something you can't remember. What's that like? But instead of that, that doubts, worrying, agitation, trying to find it, just relaxing into that. Now that's, so then... You know, your attention doesn't have any particular object. It's rather like that. What's it like to just relax attention? Pick something, deliberately pick something up. You know, a distinct thought or distinct impression. You know, something quite neutral, like, you know, colour of your toothbrush or something. Visualise your toothbrush. Not many people have got problems with their toothbrushes, but obsessions or aversion. <laughs> Maybe. 
maybe I've touched a raw place. <laughs> For that, you just kind of visualize it and then just deliberately let it go. What's that like? Just exercising that, that mental muscle to deliberately think, deliberately visualize, and then just deliberately wipe it out. For a moment, that. Huh? So the attention is not, not just a random and whatever gets, comes rushing in with the wind. Practice you know, picking up the breath and then deliberately putting it down. So you work on what you attend to, the, also the, the factor of intention itself. And all these will mean your intention, your ability to be an agent, becomes more skillful and discerning. And then when you find that place where there's that kind of uh, release or letting go, then also you realize that you don't need the intention. You know, that, that passes. Doesn't last long. Probably something else comes up. Okay, then you, you just keep practicing with it. Because what locks it all into place is the is the felt meaning, the perception. This is wrong. This is right. This is true. This is just. This is unjust. This is fair. This is not fair. Why me? You know, this uh, this sense of being wronged or right or important or unimportant, whatever it is, and then the activations, the sankaras, going around that. Just who is that? Who is that struggling being? Kind of get to sense them and get bigger than them. You know, not not rejecting them, but just the awareness of that struggling being with something like metta, equanimity. And it's not self. Otherwise, what you wouldn't be able to witness it. You wouldn't be able to Notice that, <coughs> but it's uh, these uh, personae that land or we arrive at do become obsessive. They become held in place by frustration or guilt or pride or fear or something. So then, you, though you just keep now, there's nothing to regret. Now, there's nothing to fear. Now, there's nothing to become. Now. Right now, there's nothing to have. You already have it all. (laughs) Life isn't about that. It doesn't go in that way. So anyway, satisfactory is the release and the uh, freeing up of that and the work that's required or the attention that's required, the attitudes that are required just to, you know, keep coming back to release.
painful feeling is painful feeling. There's nothing wrong about it. It's not that it shouldn't be here. Everyone has painful mem- mental feeling, physical feeling. There's no, no injustice about that. It's just 30% at least is painful feeling. You know, that's a good proportion of it. So what can be done is removing the sense of uh, fear, frustration, irritation. Just now there's the painful feeling. Who did it and why is another topic right now is this. So we let the feeling be felt. Passing. It's just kind of wherever it you get uh, you can trace the sticking point to be one's inability to accept the uncomfortable. There's inability to come to terms with particular self-images that arise. Difficulty live without a future. These are all, you know, these are not easy for anyone, but if we couldn't do it, the Buddha wouldn't have taught it. So we can, and it's for our welfare. <laughs>